Austin asked me to be reading from Romans chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. Romans 14, verses 8 and 9. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that He might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. speaking. I love it for a lot of reasons. A couple days ago, I was talking to Mr. Don Doran, and he reiterated. He didn't just say for the first time, but he reiterated. Now, Austin, you need to keep the sermon between 22 and 25 minutes. I'm like, okay, I can do that. But last night, talking to Donnie G, he said, now, Austin, you just get up there and have fun. If you preach for a long time, that's great. So I'm all sorts of confused up here. I'm assuming with the one, two, three, Jesus loves me, y'all be like, it's been 40 minutes, 45 minutes, because Bradley was practicing the one, two, three. I love guest speaking for a lot of reasons. You know, sometimes the guest speaker gets to say things the preacher just can't say. Some of y'all are laughing at that, like that's not a big deal. I love guest speaking because I get to meet a whole lot of new Christians. I get to see the unity that we have in Christ. And while I may not know each of you, I know what you stand for, generally speaking, of course. I know that you attempt to represent Christ in your life. And coming together as the body of believers, like Mr. Adams said this morning in his prayer, that you represent the Lord. And you're here to worship that God. And I hope that we can continue to do so in this sermon this morning. I want to say, first off, thank you for getting or trying to get to know myself my wife, Brianna, is over there in the tan dress with a pretty smile. You need to meet her afterwards. As Miss Pat said, it's a package deal. And uh, while I may look pretty good in this tan suit, Brianna makes the tan dress look way better. <laughs> You've got a great group of elders here to, to lead you and to work with you. And I love Wes. I don't know him all that well. We've talked a few times. I respect him so much. And getting to know Dustin has been so fun here recently. Uh, Savannah is truly blessed. I hope this morning that we can find a blessing in our study of God's Word and the sermon that I've prepared uh, for us together. Have you ever made brownies before? I think so. I hope so. Brownies are some of my favorite things at church potlucks. Uh, the kids back home that I work with say, Man, Austin, your wife makes the best brownies. She's like, Well, I just get them out of a box. But if you've ever made brownies before, you know that you start off with a big mixing bowl. And you take the brownie mix and you pour it all in that bowl, right? And it's this powdery, dry mixture of flour almost. And so you crack the eggs and you drop the eggs into the flour. And when you drop the eggs in the flour, what happens? Do the eggs and the mix get all mixed on in together and become one? No. Several people are shaking their head. You know what happens. The eggs stand out. The eggs almost won't mix in together because at first, those two things don't mix. The flour and the eggs. 
eventually, you put the spoon in and you stir and you spend time and, and you spend energy and effort and you commit yourself to this mixture and eventually, those two separate things, the flour and the eggs, they mix together. They become seamless as one. While they were separate at first from two different places, they mixed together to become that sweet brownie mixture that we all know and love. I believe the church is that same way. A lot of us come from one background, some of us may come from another, and then we have other people from this background down here. You may come from this town, you may have this type of family. And at first, we don't seem to mix too well. But we spend time getting to know each other. We spend time, effort, energy, mixing ourselves in with one another. And over time, what happens? We become that seamless, beautiful, united, brownie mixture. I believe Paul wanted the Roman Christians to get that same message. In my opinion, Paul wanted the Roman Christians to hear a message of unity, and a mixture, a message of mixing each other together. In Romans chapter 14, verse 8, you all have read and heard Paul's words to the Roman Christians. And I want to key in on one phrase right there at the end of verse 8, where Paul said, If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, watch this, we are the Lord's. We belong to our God. I belong to my father. Mike Johnson is his name. He's my best friend outside of my wife. Well, how do you know that I belong to, Austin, to Mike Johnson? This is, I could just be making it up. Well, number one, I have his name. I wear the name Johnson every day. Number two, I have his hair. Back when he was in his 20s, he had a nice little afro like I have had for the last several years. People say I have his smile and his energy. I don't know. That may be the truth. I have his love for the Lord, and I'm grateful for that. My dad has been committed to my mother in marriage for over 30 years, and I hope to, to do that exact same thing with my wife. I belong to my dad, and it's obvious. Because you take on the characteristics of the person you belong to. Well, I think Paul wanted the Roman Christians to know you belong to God. And it is time to start looking like it. And so despite their differences, whether you come from this background or this background, whether your family is from here or your family looks like this, whether your religion to you looks like this or it may look like this, you belong to the Lord. Let me tell you about Rome. Let me tell you about the Roman church. How did it start? We don't know. Maybe in Acts chapter 2, like the Bible says in verse 10, that visitors from Rome came on the day of Pentecost when Peter was preaching that first gospel message. And in verse 11, both Jews and proselytes, they heard this message that Peter preached. The first gospel sermon, we call it. And maybe, like in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, the people were pricked to the heart that those visitors were pricked in their heart. And then maybe in Acts 2, verse 41, as the Bible says, there were that day added to the Lord 3,000 souls. Maybe the visitors from Rome were part of that group. And so from there they left Rome, or excuse me, they left Jerusalem where they were, rather, and they went back to Rome. And what did they do? Well, they talked to their families. They talked to their friends. They talked to the community and the world that they lived in. And they evangelized. 
And maybe that's how the church started. And Paul knew about this. On his third missionary journey, stuck in Corinth in the winter, he sent this letter, the letter to the Romans, and he sent it to them. Before he made it, he said to them, I am making my way to you. Romans chapter 1, verses 9-13. through 13. And I've been longing to come see you. I've been prevented for a little while, but I want to come and see you. Because he heard of their reputation. He heard of their struggle. He said, here are some things you need to work on. Because the big picture of the church at Rome is this. Some came from the Jewish background. Some Christians came from the Gentile background. And here's what they look like. Brownie flour and eggs. Separated. In the same bowl, the church, but separated from each other. One group was holding the other to certain standards and traditions that didn't exist in the New Testament. Another group held this former group to their old religious traditions that no longer exist and should be justified at all. And so the Roman church looked like a bowl of brownie mixture with eggs. Together, but separate. And Paul wanted them to hear this message, to, to work on these very things. You belong to the Lord. Now what does that look like? That's what we're going to discuss this morning. Because isn't that us from time to time? Well, I want the carpet to be this color. No, I want the chandeliers to look like this. I want to sing these songs during worship. Well, I want to use this translation of the Bible. And we go with this opinion and that. We talk about this and that. But do we always mix together. Well, as Paul made, in my opinion, at least four factual statements to the church at Rome, I hope we can discuss four factual statements that despite our differences, we belong to the Lord. Let's look at the first fact. Despite our differences, we all were bought with a price. Romans 14, verse 8, we've read and quoted. And then Romans 14, verse 9, you see the simple fact that this is the reason that Christ died and came back to life so that He might be Lord both to the dead and to the living. And then we find in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time, Christ came and died for you. And I believe that Paul wanted the Christians to know this message that no matter what your background, Jew or Gentile, no matter what your background, pagan, or whatever it has been in the past, you belong to the Lord and you were bought for a price. Growing up, you know, I didn't fully understand the value of keeping the lights on at the house. And so I would wake up or I'd be walking through the house and I'd go to the kitchen because I like to eat. I'd flip on the kitchen light. Great. Open up the fridge. Great. I grab the milk and I'm chugging. I didn't do... I did do that. Chugging the milk. The light's on. So I go to the living room. I flip on the lights. But I'm in the living room so I flip on the fans. All three of them. I flip on the TV. Well, now I've got to go use the restroom. So I walk to the bathroom. Flip on the light. Flip on the fan. And Dad walks in. Hands on his face. Oh, Austin. He goes to the kitchen. Son, turn the lights off. He goes to the living room. Son, turn the lights off. He goes to the bathroom. Son, turn the lights off. He goes back in the kitchen. Son, shut the refrigerator. Because I didn't understand the value 
of electricity. I didn't understand the value of leaving the lights on. Well, now, at the Johnson household, my household, there is a standing rule. Between the hours of 9 a.m. and 6 p.m., you do not turn lights on at our house. You open up the curtains, you turn on your phone light, the iPad light, to eat your dinner. You don't turn lights on. Because I've grown up. And now I know the cost. Now I understand the value of keeping the lights on. You know, there were some Christians in Rome who potentially didn't understand the cost. Potentially, they didn't understand the value that they were purchased for. That's why Paul had to write the message. Christ came back to life for you. Christ died for you. At the right time, Christ paid His life so that you can live. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. I'm afraid there are Christians, excuse me, I'm afraid there are people today, maybe even in this auditorium this morning, who don't understand the cost. They don't understand the value of the price that was paid for their souls. You may not understand the value which you were bought for. Well, this morning, if you don't understand that price, if you don't understand that cost, I hope to goodness that you hear it, you accept it, you understand it, and you change your life because of it, committing yourself to that Christ, to God. But I also think there may be Christians in the auditorium this morning who don't necessarily understand or at least have been calloused to it. We hear it every week. We study it. We read about it. Well, this morning, let's hit the refresh button in our minds. Let's hit the refresh button in our heart. Let's rip away the callous that we've created in our life and listen to the message of Jesus for the first time today. Because Christ died for you. And He died for me. And despite our differences, we all were bought for a price. And let's live like Christ. The second fact that I believe Paul wanted the Roman Christians to know and to understand is this. Despite our differences, we are all a part of one church. Look at the personal pronouns that Paul uses in Romans chapter 14, verse 8. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. He's talking about you and he's talking about me. Specifically, he's talking about Jew or Gentile background Christian in the Roman church. It is a group. It is a community. It is a together message. Because in Romans chapter 4, or excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, the church, the body, though it has many members, we are all one in Christ. The body may have some ears and some toes. The body has hair and it has feet. It has a heel, it has an elbow. And it needs each and every part to function correctly. Paul wanted the Romans to understand that message. You may be an ear, you may be a toe, you may be a finger or an eyebrow, but whatever part of the body you are, you're part of the one body that Christ died to establish. You know, I've been on several mission trips to Guyana, I've been to Jamaica, I've been to Eastern Kentucky, up to Wisconsin. Uh, several people here are heavily involved in the Paraguay work and other various places. You know what I love about mission work? No matter where you go, city, state, 
country, or continent, you can find the Lord's body. You can find the one church that Christ died to establish. And you can worship with that church. You can worship and live with that congregation. And you can study and encourage and uplift each other. No matter where you are, Wes, you know what I'm talking about. It's a beautiful thing. Because despite our differences, we're part of one church. Paul wanted the Romans to hear that message. He wanted them to tap into what that meant. No matter what your background is, no matter where you came from, no matter where you are, if you're in Christ, you are in His church, the one church, the body. That same message exists for us today. I have a friend back in Calvert where my wife and I work. And we have a specific ministry that deals with children. We call it the Neighborhood Kid Ministry. And we pick up six to about 25 kids every Sunday and Wednesday. And we bring them to the church building when we have an assembly for worship. Sometimes we bring them in an hour early we have meals for them. We have parties for them. And it's fantastic. And these kids, man, we've had a hard go at it. We met one little girl when she was in fourth grade, I think. She was sleeping in the bathroom of her grandfather and uncle's trailer. And as we talked to her and as we were reaching out to her, we asked her what she needs. And she said, I would just love to have a pillow. And we got that pillow for her. Other kids had other needs. And I'm sure you've been involved with work of that nature. And my friend said, man, Austin, we were getting down, thinking about how much work and effort and time it's going to take to change these kids' lives. And she said something I hope to never forget. Austin, it's going to take a church. And that pushed me back. I was like, yep, you're right. Because no matter how great I think I may be, no matter how great you think you may be, it will never take an individual to bring about change. It's never been about the individual. It's always been about the church. And if we want change to happen in our congregation, and this congregation, if we want change to happen in this community, well, it's going to take a church. Not a preacher. Not just a group of elders. Not a youth group. It's going to take a church. Because despite our differences, we have the privilege of belonging to the one church. The third fact I believe Paul wanted the Roman Christians to know and understand is this. Despite our differences, stay with me on this one, we all can have an opinion. Here we go. In youth ministry, I do a lot of things. We go on several, several retreats. I remember one retreat in particular. We were going to Gatlinburg. We'd rented a cabin for our group. And when you have a large group of kids, what do you do? You grill burgers. That's just a no-brainer, right? So we're grilling burgers. We're out the store. No, we're out the store trying to buy the burgers. And I'm picking up the patties, that good red meat. You know what I'm talking about. And one little girl's like, Austin, I don't eat meat. I'm like, oh, great. One of those. <laughs> She's like, I'm a vegetarian. I'm like, okay. Well, you go, go get what you need to get. So she comes back, you know, all happy and giddy. And she brings a little green box that says, eat healthy. And it's that little veggie burger. I'm like, okay, all right, we can do that. So we go back to the cabin. We're grilling the burgers. You know, the red meat is grilling. It's dark and it's juicy. And mm, you're salivating for it right now. Flip the burger. It looks the exact same way. And then I get to the corner with her eat healthy burger. You know, it's that nice gray color, dry as a bone. 
Well, it's ready. Here you go. <laughs> now, we all can have opinions, but some of us are just wrong. <laughs> I eat red meat. I'm not ashamed to say it. If you are one of those eat healthy people, more power to you. I just won't live as long. That's fine. <laughs> now, that's funny to think about, but then it gets serious. Also, back where I work, I know of an individual who believes... Without a doubt that women can and should be leading in worship, preaching, leading singing, teaching class. Well, when opinions get serious, the laughter goes away and life gets real. But how do we handle that differing of opinion? I also know of an individual who refuses to let his daughter lead a song in their home. Well, she's six years old. He won't let her lead a song. So when opinions... Get serious, laughter goes away, and life gets real. Despite our differences, I'm here to say we all can have an opinion. What we have to do is figure out how to deal with opinions. And I believe Paul wanted the Roman church to know how to deal with opinions. And because you're open to Romans chapter 14, man. You know there are some opinions in Romans chapter 14 because Paul makes a clear statement in verse 19. And I want you to see it for yourself because it doesn't matter what I have to say. It only matters what God has already said and here through Paul. And he wrote this message to the Roman Christians. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And there it is. Despite our differences, we all can have opinions, but we all must seek peace and mutual upbuilding. In Romans chapter 14, there were some pretty strong opinions. In verse 2, you see some people who wouldn't eat meat. They wanted the little nasty gray burgers. Well, they came from a different religious background, and they were holding their traditions to these, on these other Christians and it wasn't right. And then we look at Romans chapter 14 verses 5 and 6 where one person esteems one day as better than another while another esteems all days. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And therefore, whether one person observes this or observes this, the Bible says in verse 6, each observes it in honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Despite our differences, yes, we all can have opinions. But we must be people who actively seek peace. We must be people who actively seek the mutual upbuilding. Remember, no longer are we just the flower and the egg, but we're mixed together seamlessly as one. And we have to stay. We have to fight to stay as one. So what do we do when opinions happen? Well, we stick to what this book says right here. I'd like to tell this secret to people back home. And I'll whisper it to you. The church has never been about you. And it's never been about me. And it's never been about you. The church isn't about any one individual. The church is about our God who created us, who paid the price to establish His church. And He's given us, he's given us His Word to guide it. So what do we do in handling opinions? We go where the book goes. We're led where the Bible leads us. And we trust our God unwaveringly. 
despite our differences, we all can have an opinion. The fourth and final fact, at least the fourth fact, that Paul wanted the Roman Christians to know, in my opinion, is this. Despite our differences, we all live and die to the Lord. You think Paul understood what it meant to live and die potentially for the Lord? Well, I believe so. Where was Paul? What was going on in his life when he wrote this message to the Roman Christians? Well, Austin, he was arrested. He was under house arrest for preaching the truth. Yes, he was. And when he wrote these words to the Roman Christians, he's saying, you may be differing in opinion. You may have these conflicts. Well, you better remember, we live or die to the Lord. Whatever we do, we are the Lord's. Look what he says in Romans chapter 1. In verse 13. He said, I've been longing to come see you, but have been prevented from doing so. Why was he prevented? Because upon preaching the truth about Jesus and the New Testament church, he was arrested and put under trial in the process that was that first century Roman trial. He couldn't come to see the Roman Christians when he wanted to because he spoke the truth, unwaveringly trusted in the Lord, and was put in jail for it. And he needed those Romans to know that message, to understand that message, and to be transformed by that message. And let's look at us. What's the worst that we have to go through? You may walk to school and go to school. No one walks to school anymore. What am I saying? You may go to school. You may pray before your meal at lunch. I go visit. Last year I went to visit with a fifth grade boy about every week. And he led a prayer every week with his friends. How many of those friends were Christians? None. Is he a Christian? Nope. But he understands the importance of leading prayer, especially in public places. Were there people that probably made fun of him? Yes. But he did it anyway. Is that the worst that happens to us? We may get made fun of. We may lose out on a boyfriend or girlfriend here or there. We may not have a certain group of friends at work because of the beliefs that we stick to so faithfully. Paul said, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. The Roman Christians needed to hear it, to be transformed by it, to come together because of that message. And we today need to hit that refresh button. Hear it for the first time. Whether you live or die, you are the Lord's. And so wherever that takes you, trust God unwaveringly. Trust the church. Pursue peace with each other. Be united in the one church because we were all bought for a price. And know we are the Lord's. And it is time to look like the person that we belong to. God Himself. Despite our differences, we all have a choice to make this morning. Despite our differences, we will all face judgment one day. Romans chapter 14, verse 12. And so the question comes to you this morning. Are you faithful to the Lord? Have you been committed to the God that paid the price for you, established His church for you, allows you to have an opinion in this life, and allows you to live faithfully for Him? Are you faithful to that God? You may have been in the past, but at this point, you've let the world pull you away. 
Well, it is time to stop that life. And it is time to return to a life of faithfulness. Because I'll tell you this. The one church that Christ established is here this morning, ready to welcome you back, to put our arms around you, to encourage you, to uplift you, and to live life with you as we try and live and reach eternity with our God. You may be like that person I talked about earlier. You've never heard this message before. You've never understood the price that was paid for your life. Well, it still exists today like it did for the Roman Christians. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. At the right time, Christ came and died for you. And that means you can have life and have it for eternity. Whatever your need is this morning, I hope you take advantage of this time because it's the only time we have guaranteed. Let's stand and sing together. Part of the family whose love knows no end, for Jesus has saved us and made us his own. Now we're part of the family that's on its way home and sometimes we laugh together sometimes we cry sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs Sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven, God's family, when a brother meets sorrow. We all feel His grief when He's passed through the valley. We all feel relief together in sunshine, together in rain, together precious name and sometimes we laugh together sometimes we cry sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs Sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven, God's family, and the some go before us. 
we'll all meet again just inside the city as we enter in there'll be no more parting with Jesus will be together forever God's family and sometimes we laugh together sometimes we cry sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven God's family